0: welcome everybody to catfish weekly presented by whiskerware apparel along with Chuck Davison and Doc Lang I'm Lyle Stokes and tonight we're going to be talking about boat safety and some other stuff we might even talk about Chuck not catching fish uh, but he thinks he thinks he's got it figured out what he was doing wrong so we've been talking about that before the show started I think I think he's on to something I think it'll make a big difference in his hookup ratio so uh, welcome everybody and, and enjoy the show. We got a bunch of stuff to go over tonight, and and uh, we'll try to make it as painless as we can. But boat safety is something that uh, you know some people started talking to us about and wanted to make sure that we renew that. I, I believe that we should do it every every year, at least once a year. And uh, you know, uh, even some of our sponsors had called us up and said, "Hey, you really need to get on that." So we we decided that, that we just
1: Go
0: ahead and make it happen. How you guys doing tonight, Chuck and Doc?
1: I'm doing great, man. Uh, had a great time this weekend. Uh, me and Tony uh, got to know each other a whole lot better. We're becoming a lot better friends, and everything's clicking in the boat. We didn't do as good as we wanted to in the tournament, but you know that that'll come with time. We're, uh, we're we had a really good time. That's all that matters.
2: Yeah. Cold in Ohio.
0: You guys, what's going on with all that snow
2: (laughs) over there, man? Hey, hey, only in Ohio. Yesterday, (laughs) or I think it was Saturday, we saw all four seasons in half an hour.
0: You know, I, I see these pictures from Heath and, and Jason Malone and and Chris Workman and Claude Reynolds and all them guys, and, and you know, the way they're on me about them sorry-ass uh, baseball teams that they, they watch, I didn't really feel sorry for them because I knew the Reds opening game was coming up. But, you know, when you started showing pictures of that stuff from, from uh, Ohio, I'm thinking, well, it ain't just them. Somebody else is doing something wrong out there, too. Yeah.
2: It was, it was wicked it was the
0: weekend, So I, I guess it was Saturday and Sunday both.
2: Yeah, we had a lot of high winds, uh, and uh, it was snowing. I know uh, I helped my son move some of his stuff, and it 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 started snowing on us as we were finishing up, and it, it was uh. it was. We got home and it started raining, and then it started snowing. And then the sun came out and it melted all the snow. That was only like <laughs> a one hour it. period. Yeah.
0: Uh. <laughs> oh, man. I don't envy you. Is that, was Larry the one moving?
2: No, Travis was.
0: Okay. I don't know. I have, don't know him, but uh, that's a terrible weather to be doing any of that stuff with. But, you know, it's got to be done, and, and you just oh, have yeah. to do what you have to do. So. Yeah. But I'm glad you guys was. Able to, to weather the storm. Heath Malone says they had 50 mile an hour winds, and we've had 40 mile an hour gusts for the last three or four days here. And, and uh, you know, it's just miserable weather to try to do anything. We're having 70 yeah. degree temperatures, but the wind just blows so bad you can't hardly walk outside and do anything. But, right. Uh, right. I, w- yeah. I, w- I, w- I want to congratulate you and, and, uh, and Janet and Claude on your, your Reds winning their opening yeah. game. that was. A, yeah, I watched yeah. the whole game. It was outstanding. Yep, it was a great game. And they come through and pulled her out in the eighth inning. It was it was really good good watching that. So, yeah, Chuck, what have you got it up to that? <laughs> yeah, it was. It <laughs> sure were. was. But it it was it was a good game. It really yep. was. Chuck, what have you got to start us off tonight with on the safety factors?
1: Well i wanna go over uh you know uh boat rigging and safety uh live well positioning um the weight of water um and and stuff like that when you when you're uh you know setting your boat up you know you need to think about the uh you know the weight of the water the cubic inch um of your container and exactly how much weight you're going to have in that container when you when you put the water in it that that's even without the fish um you know a, a lot of guys you know have more room in the back of the boat which a lot of time that's where most of the weight is anyway if if you look at your boat when it's sitting in the water uh, or the water line on your boat uh, most of the time the the, uh, the back end sitting down anyway Um, You know, and that's getting the, uh, you know, the the transom very close to that water line. Um, And, you know, it it wouldn't take very much for a wake or something to come over and, and, you know, ruin your day. Um, You know, we we had a situation Saturday where uh, we we went on the windy part of the lake because we had to try to find the, uh, the blues because the position we were in, we were needing major weight if we was going to be in it to win it uh, we wouldn't think in third place second place we was thinking where we were at uh, and where we needed to be so we repositioned, went somewhere that looked good never prefisted or anything the wind picked up we had big wakes which we were comfortable in but a um, a yacht came through it had to have been running 20-25 mile an hour and I've been on Gunnersville my whole life and I've never um, seen a wake come off a boat like this one. Um, it, it was sitting in the water with it, with its, uh, you know, tail end way down in the water. And I've never had water come over the side of my 24-inch gunnel boat, but I had um, two come over the side. The, the The wake the boat put off was coming the same way as the wakes the wind were uh, throwing up. Um, but it was out of time just a little bit, and when my boat rocked, um, the wake was able to come over my boat, and, and my boat filled up quick. Uh, we turned the bilge on. The, uh, the transom was about an inch from going under in the back. Um, I mean, that, that yacht was so putting up a wake so big that there was eight boats following it because nobody could go around it. That's how big the wakes were, and he had no business being on a lake that small. Um, I don't think he should have been on it because we were right up against the bank. We got right up against some trees and stuff, but we were still in 30 foot of water. There was no uh, nowhere to beach the boat. Uh, we were around some cliffs, so um, you know, all the way up and down was was just cliffs. There was nowhere for us to go. So we just got up against some trees and and tied off really loosely in case we went down. Um, You know, the boat would still be tied off, and we'd be able to find it later on. But uh, we were prepared for the worst because we seen what was coming. There wasn't nothing we could do.
0: Uh, That's that's a tough situation right there, but thank goodness that you guys survived that and made it out of there all right. But, you know, until they put regulations and stipulations on how big – boats and different things and, and you know if they do that the next thing will be speed limits and this and this and this so uh, you know it's just a bad situation with them guys in big boats and and people trying to fish uh, for my perspective a deal like that is, is worse anchored than if you're drifting or moving or something because you kind of motivate the boat but if you're tied up with an anchor you're kind of there
1: right and you know you know that <clears throat> You know the what is it the maritime law or whatever? You're supposed to monitor your own weight. You're supposed to know what's going on behind you and what damage you're doing. And it's a uh, it's up to every captain or, or uh, vessel operator to to monitor what he's doing. You know if your boat's not planed out right and and you're causing some very disturbing water, uh, you're supposed to monitor that and try try to uh, you know to get your speed correct or whatever. So so you're not putting nobody else in danger. And this guy, he just didn't care. Um, you know, he had it gunned down. Uh, he had to be going as fast as it was goes I've never seen a boat that big on the Coosa River. Probably not even on. Yeah, I've seen some that big on the Tennessee. Uh, you know, up around the yacht club. But you'd they don't move like that. You can barely tell they're moving around. Usually on the Tennessee River, they just take their time and and go slow. This guy was cutting out. Um, about the live wells, you know, um, you know, water's a little over eight pounds a gallon, um, you know, and, and you, you, you throw a hundred gallon stock tank in there, um, you know, that would be 800 pounds if you filled it up to the rim, um, you know, it'd be over that. So if you filled it up three quarters, you're going to have 600 pounds in that live well. Um, you know, and if you're in a 18 or a 20 foot boat, um, you need to make sure that your live well's in a position where you're not going to danger yourself and, and the and your fishing partners or whoever else in the boat with you for, you know, fishing's not worth all that. Um, you know, so you know, just you know, just get out on the water, fill your live well up. Um, you know, run up and down the lake in, in, in a couple of different situations and see, uh, you know, how your boat's going to act and perform before you get out there in that tournament. And you know, you get you a good tub of fish and you got to hurry and get back to weigh in. Um, you know, for one, if you got the live well in the wrong place in the boat, you could probably uh, do a lot of damage to your fish, mm-hmm. and your fish not, might not make it to the weigh in. If you slosh them around, bounce them around too much, and also, um, you know, if you get in a bad situation, some rough water, and your live well isn't positioned right, um, and 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 you're uh, having too much capacity that your boat's not rated for in a certain position, uh, you could, you know, get in some trouble in a hurry. Has, has anybody seen uh, a live well put somebody in a, a bad bad situation
0: uh, I have not but uh, you know in our tracker boat when the live well is got uh, three or five fish in it and you've got it half full of water uh, it, it's not a safety issue with that boat really but it it's hard to get up on plane because it has such a small motor and being such a heavy boat, and uh, the live well is positioned in the back. Uh, but you know you have to be careful if, if if you're in a rainy situation where it's pouring down rain and water's getting in that boat with the water that's in the live well and the water that's in the bottom of the boat before the bilge gets it out. That's a lot of weight and uh, like he was talking about people have to understand that that those boats are only rated to to for so much weight and, and you fill them up uh, with fish in a live well and then it's raining and water gets in the bottom of that boat and you don't know how much is in there uh, and it may look like it's only an inch or two or three of of water in the bottom of that boat underneath that floor but in reality it may run up there or nearly to the front of the boat and it may be or may not be uh, heavier or more water in the front than there is in the back. It depends on the, the plane of the boat. And uh, when you figure that up, the width of a boat, if it's seven foot, for instance, and it's three inches uh, thick deep, that that's a lot of water and a lot of extra weight that that boat's not used to having in there. Plus all your other your gear and people and all that stuff. So uh, that's something they really need to pay attention to.
1: Correct, you know, and I, I see guys, they'll, they'll sit them big 100-gallon live wheels up on their front deck, you know, and, and got a strap running across. Um, you know, that's very scary, you know. I I know they probably stand up to see over it or whatever they have to do to drive safe, but man, if, if something happened where that 800-pound slid off that front deck um, and, and rushed to the back of the boat, you know that would be.
0: It'd break your legs.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you know, even if it, even if it the the tank didn't hit you, just the weight of the water uh, rushing from the front of the boat to the back, it it would it would have to stand it up, I would guess. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So. Yeah.
2: And, and let me iterate on something that uh, Lyle brought up. One of the most overlooked pieces of equipment on a boat. Is that bilge pump? Uh, people, <laughs> you need to be looking at them. You need to be testing them. Make sure they're working. Uh, when you're out there and you get in a situation, you don't want <laughs> that. That's when that life, that bilge pump doesn't work. That is not when you want to be check, checking it out. You know, take, take, flip it on. I know mine's an automatic and it's a manual. Mm. Automatically, it senses water, starts up. But I also have a manual, and I've gotten into the habit that I just flip it on just to make sure I hear that thing run. Right.
0: I flip mine on sometimes whenever we're taking off, you know, and all the water runs to the back of the boat, just make sure there's no water in it. Yeah. You know, because if there is any, you know, people throwing cast nets and stuff, and you catch fish, and every little bit of water, it all goes right to the bottom of that boat. And, and, if I ever have an issue with a bilge pump uh, if it's a 500 i upgrade it if it's an 800 like mine is an 800 gallon that's in my boat now if for some reason I have to work on that it'll then have a 1600 gallon in it because I want that water out of there as fast as you can and, and the reason for that is and I was going to touch on this later on the show but Ben's were on the bilge pump thing uh, a few years ago, and I think you was at the tournament, Doc, you and Lynn drove over uh, and fished the Jack and Jill tournament. Ron Workman and Chris, there yep. was over here, and hit. they hit a sunken buoy. Now, this is the springtime of the year, and when the water comes up, the buoys that are leaking, they'll go down, and the water will come up. You can't see them, so you have to really watch out this time of the year to hit sunken buoys and Ron and and Chris they hit the sunken buoy and ripped a hole in the bottom of their Lund boat and uh, we took a couple three hours to find them didn't know where they's at they didn't know how to tell us where they's at and we found them and when we found them they was up on the bank on the Illinois side of the Mississippi River uh, with all their stuff out of the boat and and uh, Ron and Sarah was standing on the bank and Chris was in a boat in nearly knee-deep water with the bilge pump just running as hard as it'd go now maybe a bit bigger bilge pump wouldn't have kept all the water out of it but you know it's going to get as much out of it as you can and we got them to safety and they got yeah. the boat loaded up and and uh, ended up getting a new boat out of the deal but you know it's one of them things that happens but anytime that I work on a bilge pump uh, if it's not working right i'm replacing it and if it's like i say whatever size is in it it's getting at least the next size bigger and probably double that way i don't have to worry about it. they they use some electricity out of your battery but what would you rather have a, a, a battery that gets weak or water standing in your boat i'm getting that water out of there
2: and, and uh, where they're located at you can't bucket it
0: no, no. A boat that has a fast. floor in it, you can't get to it. On my boat, there's no way that you can get to it, and you can't get to the plug on it, so you can drain it going down the water, because the plug on my on that tracker goes in from the outside. It does not go in from the inside. Yeah. So, if you get water in it and that bilge pump quits working, you're stuck with that water until you get someplace to get it out. Yeah. It's just that simple, and and maybe that's not a good design from the boat manufacturer, but it is what it is, and uh, you know, uh, you just you just got to figure out how to how to work them things. But but people, I'm telling you, if you have a bilge pump problem of any kind, most of them bilge pumps have been in those boats since they was brand new. Just upgrade it, get a bigger one, a new one. Put it in there, and then you don't have to worry about it for that many more years again because you'll be happy you did if something ever happens, I
2: promise. Yeah, leaves out and all that.
0: Right, and there'll be all kinds of crap in there. You, you find stuff you lost, you forgot about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you, you got to think that that plastic, it gets old, dry rotted, it'll crack. And a, lo- really? way a way a lot of those bilge pumps, they'll go down into the little uh, plastic screen type assembly, and it kinda of twists locks in there. And most of the time when they get old and you just try to take it out to clean it, um, I mean it just starts cracking and breaking. When they get like that, it's time to go ahead and replace it for sure because yeah. it's brittle, it's old, and it's time it's time for the to freshen it up.
0: I agree.
1: I agree. What else you have tonight, Chuck? Yeah, I was wanting to touch on that live well, and um, also, you know, uh, throwing the uh, throw net. You know, I, I think everybody has seen the video with the guy that was throwing the throw net off the front of their boat, and his uh, net got hung on the rod holder, and he kind of spun around, it wrapped around his legs, and he toppled off the front of the boat. Um, yeah, it was summertime. It was probably real funny at the time, but you know on a cold winter day it wouldn't have been very funny if he was fully clothed um... no you know, and hit the water um... you know and Jason Bridges did a similar thing I'm really not sure exactly how he's his occurred no telling maybe just if you barely lose your balance and you don't go straight down and you kinda lean to grab yourself on the uh, you know to grab the gun of the boat and miss I mean it could be anything that you know to make you hit the water and he was alone when it happened, but, uh, you know, out there throwing that net, make sure somebody's with you when you're doing that um, and, you know, keeping an eye on each other because, uh, you know, throwing that net, you can end up in the water mighty quick if it gets hung and, and you got a heavy net. Um. Uh-oh, we We're losing, losing. –
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, he's well, been having some internet service having some internet service out there. I don't know if you'll jump back in here or not, Doc. What what have you got far as safety stuff? I know uh, that you you have your anchor ball and uh Joel Roberts had uh, set posted a post today on Facebook that uh he thought that we needed to talk about that, which you and I had already visited about that. But right. he says he, he sees a lot of people that are using those anchor balls and using them incorrectly.
2: Yeah,
0: and yeah. and and that's probably something that we need to to visit about. And I know that that you're prepared to do that.
2: Yeah. So well, before I do that, uh, you know, these guys right here, these life jackets, those are. You know um, this month I turned 63 and I'm wearing I, I got one of the automatics this year and uh, I wear this thing all the time it's I mean man it, it is comfortable the only thing you got to remember if you own one of these you got to carry a regular life jacket in case this one gets deployed so make sure that it if you guys if you have automatic PFDs that you have another life jacket to uh, use in case that one deploys now is that a Coast Guard rule is that a state or federal law well I don't know about that it's Ohio law I I know they told me I had to have another life jacket and I carry plenty of life jackets on board to vote but that's what the uh, Coast Guard Officer told me was if this goes deployed, you know it's only you got to rearm the thing. Well, you're not going to take the time to rearm it while you're out there fishing, especially if you got 80 or 90 pounder on its strip and reel and taking off. Uh, So he said, make sure you carry another life jacket on board.
0: I am very glad to know that. Now, does that does that uh, mean an extra for anybody that's wearing one of those, or just one extra?
2: No, I think it's anybody that's wearing one needs. To so have. if you have
0: th- if you have three people in there and they all have that type of life yeah, jacket these. on, then you need you three extra. You should extras. have three more. Yeah. Well, and we do not, just so for, we will
2: have just for deployment. You know, if you deploy this thing, I don't think you're going to sit there like Adam Winder did that one time. I remember seeing a picture of him when his was all—he leaned over to do something, the handle caught on a right. on a rod holder and it deployed on him because he right. sent sent us pictures. He goes, "Hey, this is not fun," and uh, here it is all puffed up around his head, and yep, everything. So you I know at that point, that. yeah, at that point he's got to let that thing back down, and then you know now you're out of life jacket. So that's a reason that. They told me make sure you carry another one on board.
0: Yeah, I I didn't know that that was a rule, but uh, we always have a We have a spare one in the boat. uh, You know that our boat's set up for two people to fish out of, and uh, you can carry more people than that on it. But uh, the seating, it's made for tournament fishing. You know, so uh, we will we will have uh, at least four. Our two plus. Plus one, yeah, two more, uh, yeah. in there, and uh, and make sure that's right. But people, you got to have those. It's a law to have them. Uh, it's a very good idea to have those things on whenever the big motor's running. If you're any ways uh, afraid of the water in any way, you should wear it all the time. And children should always have one on, uh, you know, unless the boat is parked someplace. I, I just uh, I know in Illinois, if you if the boat moves by tra- by trolling motor and you have a kid that's under 15, they will write you a ticket. If you don't believe me, ask J.D. Richardson and Chris Cordia. They are living proof that it will happen. <laughs> Bobby Miller says he went for a swim at Winter Blues with his life jacket when it didn't deploy. He would had it a few years, and the two CO2 cartridge became unattached. So. Uh, it'd be a good idea to check those and make sure Each that time yeah Yeah, make sure everything's working and they're all doing what they're supposed
2: to do. Yep. So, Chuck, are you back with us? Nope, he's in and out. Yeah. The other thing in. I've been doing is I've been putting on the, the kill switch, the lanyard to the kill switch, hooking it up. Uh, that's going to take me some getting used to because I'm used to getting up off of the boat, and I forget about that thing, and then I keep pulling it out. And, you know, the motor will be sitting there running, and then all of a sudden it dies, and I'm looking back, what is going on? <laughs> you know, so so right. I was watch I was watching the bass guys this past weekend, and I see those guys uncoupling <clears> <throat> their their uh, uh, PFDs, and then just dropping them in the thing. But I I haven't I, I'm just trying to get in the habit of keeping that on all the time from now on.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a good idea. And, and uh, you and I are really close to the same age, and and we're not either one getting any smaller. And so safety is a large factor to, to, to people. You know, uh, us full-figured guys and, and guys at our age, uh, women too. It, it doesn't really. It, women, women too. Uh, and if you have something wrong with you, if you have a bad leg or a bum shoulder like I have, or if you've got some, you can't swim like you did when you was kids. You can say uh-huh. you can do all that stuff all you want to. Reality in your mind, you know, you can't do what you could do when you was twenty years old. It just doesn't work that way.
2: Yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. So I, I can't. <laughs> you know, my boat is a big boat. Uh, and I had a guy tell me, he said, well, one of the best ways to get into that boat is to get on the motor and then just use the, have somebody push on the tilt and swing the motor up, and then you can step on the back. Well, that's, that's true, but, you know, I'm still a pretty big guy, and, you know, it's going to be tough for me to get up well, on that motor.
0: So. Since you brought that up, a week or so ago, we was talking about that. And I said something about the ladder system. And this is the ladder that I was talking about. These things don't weigh nothing. They don't take up a lot of room in your boat. They fold up, and if somebody gets over the side of the boat, if I fall out of the boat and I can't get in our boat, Cindy's going to have to use this to get me in. She can't pull me in the boat. Yeah. But if you can clip this, it's wide enough. You can get it over any gunnel. It'll go over the back of any boat. Set that in there, crawl up them three steps, and you're back in the boat. If it's cold, if the weather's bad, anything that goes wrong, and this is not a law, people, you don't have to have one in. I feel like it's a necessity for us. So think about that. Uh, you know, when, when you're thinking about things that you really need to have in your boat, if you're near 60 years old like I am and you're a little overweight like I am, and you have something wrong with you like I do, this is a necessity for us. We need to keep it in the point. boat, and, and, and we've left it before. We don't always take it with us, uh, but we should, and, and I'm going to try to do better to, you know, it, it's, it's just something that you should do uh, for the safety of whoever's with you and yourself. Uh, they're just a few bucks, and it won't take up no space. So it's just something to think about.
2: Yeah, and uh, let's see. Cindy just posted, how do you check to see if the CO2 cartridge is unattached? On my unit here, it's got a, there's a, there's a green window, I don't know if it's hard, it's, it's right there, there it is. You see that green mm-hmm. right there, and that's telling me it's armed, it's ready to go. If that's detached from it, that will turn red. Saying there is an issue with this jacket so. uh, That's those are great great
0: uh, life jackets we have the Cabela's model and, and I'm sure that one or two companies probably make all of them yeah. and I believe that there is a way to tell On every model, if they're active or not, Uh, I believe that's part of the deal with those. They have to have a way to tell you if they're armed and ready to go or if there's a problem with them. I I think that's right.
2: Yeah, the reason I bought this one is the pole handle is located right here. It's on the inside. It's not hanging on the bottom. I can guarantee you that if that was hanging down in the bottom, I would hook it on one of my rod holders.
0: Right, right. That's, That's a great idea. This one. That, those are very well made, and, and Mustad's a really good product, and that is excellent idea of putting them on the inside there. Uh, Greg says that either the ladders like I showed or rope ladders are required in Canada. I did oh, not wow. know that. But, you know, I I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. That's like having a fire extinguisher. I would never have a problem with having a fire extinguisher in a boat. I think they all should have one. And and people, it's the law. You're supposed to have one. But, you know, things like that just is common sense stuff to me. uh, And I never have an issue with with the common sense deal now. well, I
2: won't get into politics. I, but. I carry two fire extinguishers on board my boat, and they're, they're not them little ones. They're the big ones. That's right. You know, 10-pounders. Yeah. But I carry the second one, and it's in, in my storage compartment so that if I come up on a boat, I can just take that thing and toss it to them to try to get a boat. Or I can come in behind, grab, you know, and spray it out. Uh, having a boat fire is not a fun thing.
0: No, no, that'd be the last thing you'd want out in the middle of a lake or the Mississippi River or something like that. Greg says that's if you're fishing in your personal boat and lodge boats are exempt from having those. Uh, I'm surprised. I would think if they make you put them in one, they'd make you put them in them all. But, you know, I, I just think they're a good idea, you know, for especially yeah. for... For people that's getting a few years on them, and, and like I say, I'm pretty full figured. There's there's no skinniness to me left at all. That all left <laughs> yeah. years ago. And uh, I, honest to God, I, I'm not sure I could get in uh, that monster cat unless I'd done like you were saying and crawl up on the back of the motor and hit that trim button and tilt right. the motor up. I I don't think I could get over the side of it. It's just two sets too high out of the water and And uh, it's very safe. I feel very comfortable in it. I would do not worry one bit about getting hurt or anything happening in that boat or falling out or nothing like that. But things happen, you know. And uh, every every time we go fishing, whether it's Chuck down on Wheeler or you and me out on one of these rivers that we fish up here, uh, you know, you got a chance of getting a fish big enough that if you stub your toe, it might drag your butt on over the back of the boat. You know, things happen. And, well, Jerry, uh, you know, you Jerry gotta, Dillard posted I'm about there. It.
2: Jerry Diller posted. He said, "I went for a swim last February. Had enough clothes on that it wasn't easy to get back in, and I'm only 24 years old and 160 pounds. So there's yeah. there's a young man that had trouble. You and I would be toast." Exactly.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I have had a duck hunting boat that I used to have a duck blind on, and it got away from me at a ramp one time. And uh, yeah, this was several several years ago. And uh, had chest waders on, and uh, I s- started walking out to the boat. It wasn't very deep. By the time I got to the boat, it was over the top. My waders, and water was coming in them. Now, that was a different boat, and I could get up in it, but the waders was full, and it was a job. Yeah. getting in that boat with a waiter full of water and a dog beating you to death because he you know he don't know what's going on he, you can't get tell him to go to the bank because he didn't never heard that command before so he's swimming around out there with you and you're over your head in, in water but i did this i did go up the back of that 35 or seven recruiting that death boat and got in there and and uh, got it started up and went back to the uh to the bank, but you know the anchor just pulled loose as I backed the trailer in. It got away from me, but uh, that wasn't too smart on my part. I should have turned around. But like I say, when you're younger, you, you're invincible. You think you're Superman, and them right. days are done. Them days are done for me. I'm not like that anymore, right? Well, uh, sometimes I think I am, but in reality, I know I'm not.
1: <laughs> you back? With right. this Are you back
2: the search Chuck?
1: No, I. Uh I've barely got a signal. I'm just I'm just listening. Y'all go ahead. All right. Uh the other thing, uh, throw cushions.
2: Uh here, let me grab these real quick.
0: And one thing about the throw cushions that I will mention is um a lot of people think that those throw cushions, they know you got to have throw cushions, but they don't understand that those throw cushions, when you're on the water, have to be able to be got to right there. Having them in a compartment doesn't get it. You have to have that thing where you can access it
2: immediately. Yeah, one thing I found out last year was I was up on Indian Lake, and they told me that this, throw cushion that I've had on my boat for about 16 years is illegal because of this thing right here. There is a tear. There's a tear on that throw cushion. That and the fact that this cushion is not the specified size that it's supposed to be. What it's supposed to look like is it's supposed to look like this new one. Square and flat. Just like this one. My old one is all dumpy and like a pillow cushion. Actually, that's what I use this one now for. Is I use it as a pillow cushion so I can sit down on, you know, get up higher on the seat, or if I want to sit on the live well, I, you know, I can just put that under me. You know, um, you
0: if if your life jacket has a tear in it like that. It's not. Yeah. It was gone too. Exactly. Because I've been told that before. Yeah.
2: Here in Ohio, they won't even let you launch. If they find something wrong, you got to fix it, and they will not let you launch.
0: I, I'm not going to argue with them about that. I, I'm not. If if I don't want out there and something happen. Uh, so if they find something wrong, you know, uh, we've talked about this before, Doc. But down. Uh, We was at Monsters on the Ohio the last two years in a row, and late at night, the Coast Guard guys come up there in a big blue Ford van, and they want to check boats, and they will flat-tell you. You know, first time I said, hey, boys, it's a little late for you guys to be out tonight. He said, well, we can either check here at the motel where you're all at, or we'll check you in the morning before you launch your boat. Well, let me up in there and tell me what you want to see. I don't want you messing with me when I'm going fishing, and they was very nice, very professional guys, they done everything they was supposed to do, and they slapped that new sticker on your boat, they won't mess with you that for another year, you're done yeah. at that point, yeah. but if you've got all your, your stuff you're supposed to have, and everything's in working order, they'll put a sticker on you, and, and people, I'm telling you right now, of all the things that our government is involved in, that they should be leaving alone, Safety of people in boats is one thing that I have no problem with. Let them go out there and check them boats. A lot of people have stuff wrong. They don't even know they got wrong. So it's good to know that these guys are out there taking care of you and making sure that if something happens, you're prepared for it.
2: Yep. Is Chuck just going to listen?
0: Yeah, I think so. He may jump in there if he feels froggy or he gets more signal.
2: All right, so uh, somebody had asked about the anchor bolt. Uh, for years, I used that unit. Uh, it's hard to get an anchor up. Uh, older guys, you know, we're, we're trying to lift them, and if it's stuck any at all, and I'm a, I'm a run-and-gun type fisherman, so it was nothing to, for me to pull that anchor 13, 14 times a day when I'm out fishing. Well, by the end of the day, I'd be wore out. And Lynn and I talked about it, you know, and, and, uh, I I don't remember what year it was when I first bought it. But when I talked to the guy, um, it was called an anchor lift and it's uh, made by ironwood Pacific out on the West coast. And when I bought mine, the guy told me, he said, you're the first person East of the Mississippi that's bought one of these things. So, um, Right now, they sell about $61 and change. Uh, I think Cabela's, I remember seeing them on Cabela's for like $76. But what it ends up being is you've got this big ball. And this ball will hold, it will pull easily a 50 or 60 pound anchor with no issues at all. This is the A2 ball. They make a one bigger than this one, and they make one smaller than this one. But the A2, uh, it's got a, your release mechanism, your rope goes in only one way, and you pull back on this bolt, and you allow your anchor to go down. And so your anchor is deployed, the rope is sliding through this. And what I always told people what they need to do Is you want this ball away from your boat as much as you can. Um, I remember Harold Dodd, no, it was was Harold Dodd sunk a boat years ago because of one of those. And I'm going to go over that also, uh, how to keep that from happening. But when you deploy this, you want it way out in front of the boat, 50 feet, 60 feet out in front of the boat. That way you can kind of keep an eye on it. But what happens is as you go to pull your anchor, you leave the anchor rope attached to your cleat. Now there's, there's some serious pull on here. So guys, make sure that your cleats on your boat are bolted through. You, know, you don't wanna be using screws into it because it, it'll pull them right off. There's a lot of pull on this thing. But what you do is you start up your boat. You immediately, you turn the wheel 90 degrees. You're going to make a hard right or a left turn. Either way, it doesn't matter. Whatever you have is the most room. And then you ease the boat into gear and you start moving away. The ball is out in front of you and you turn, you know, completely to the right. Uh, I'm going to go, we're going to turn to the right. And as you move, that rope is going to start pulling. That ball is going to go down. It's going to pick that anchor up, and then it just winds it right up as you move away. And generally, that's why I tell people, get that ball out there. That way, as you come start to go upriver, the ball is actually going away from you and, and way behind the boat. No chance of you getting it in your prop and uh, once a ball is up you'll see it go down like a bobber and then it pops back up the anchor is stuck right there you just reach over hand it all the way in stick it on your deck now a lot of the guys and i've done it where uh, if i get a big fish on i'll take that i'll break that loose and i'll throw it in the water and i will come back and tie up to it one of the problems and this is what happened to Harold and I had done it a bunch of times and I just never thought about it was that tail end of that rope was actually hanging below where he was hooking up to and he act what he did was he drove up to the ball and the rope was hanging down so what I have done is I have put a lobster boot on the end of my rope. And this is the very end and this lobster buoy keeps that rope all the way up there. And what I do is I came up I come up and I grab a hold of this loop which is the very in, then I know that, that rope is not going to get into the into my prop. So very important to have this second buoy on there. When you're fishing river systems with a lot of water flow, like the Missouri and Mississippi, the Ohio, it's you know we when it's flooded out, you know we see two and a half miles an hour current. But uh, I feel comfortable using an anchor ball. Uh, since I bought the Rodan, I haven't hardly used it at all. But I told Lyle that uh, in uh, September when we fished the Mississippi's on. Monsters on the Mississippi. I said, I'm bringing my anchor ball So I said I'm going to teach you how to use that thing and uh, Especially if you don't have a trolling motor that you can just anchor up with like I do
0: I'm pretty sure that uh, Once I see it in operation and feel comfortable with how it operates. I'll have to have one.
2: Yeah, yeah And you're not taking mine. I'll take my back (laughs) home.
0: I completely understand that. (laughs) I completely understand that. (laughs) You know, uh, before we go on with this safety thing, Doc, you know, I I made a big deal out of uh, you coming down and fishing with Cindy and I at the Monsters on the Ohio. Or monsters, Mississippi River monsters. You know that was quite a thing. There, I got, I caught some grief from a couple of guys. They thought we was cheating and different things. Well, (laughs) when they find out that you're going to crawl in the boat with us at monsters on the Ohio, they're really going to be in the middle of me. Yeah, (laughs) great time this fall.
2: I'm looking, what else at my, you... I'm looking at my notes over here. I don't know what, happened, okay. what Chuck had, so
0: I, I don't. I think Chuck was was pretty much down with with a lot of his stuff, and okay. we've covered some of the stuff that I had too. But I've got some more on top of it.
2: Uh, signal devices. Of, my boat has a piezo horn that you cannot hear. I mean, I can. You know, Lynn can hear it if I push it, but. Another boat. So what I've got is I've got an air horn that uh, you just keep not the kind that you push down on. Not I don't have one of these type. Let me get it. I don't have one of these type. I've got like a a bottle that I can put compressed air in, and and I mean that that thing is loud. So that's a good idea. Or you use a whistle, but you know generally you can't get your breath if something's going wrong so <laughs> if you
0: have an issue you're out of yeah. breath usually yeah. you're right and, exactly. and i have whistles and horns both on both of our boats yeah, but we uh do too. you know but uh, you know the air horn is something i hadn't thought of that that's probably a great idea
2: yeah
0: Is that, is that about all you have, Doc?
2: Yeah, I'm looking over my notes. I just want to make sure.
0: Okay. Thought, well, while you're looking at them, go I'll go ahead with a couple of things that I got. Uh, right. We talked about this a week or so before, and one of the things that I think that everybody should do is have a good sharp knife on the front and the back of the boat in case somebody gets tangled up in an anchor rope because there's a lot of people that anchor fish and, and there's a lot of people that have ropes on the side of their boat so they can tie up when they go to dock or whatever and you can tie, get your feet tangled up and then fall over if you have a knife at the front and the rear of your boat and make sure everybody knows where it's at where they can cut them loose and they can get away and they can get back back in the boat with no harm no foul Um water you know we talk about being on the water but in the hot part of the summer and even in the winter time you should keep water in your boat to stay hydrated Uh, I know it's a lot of fun and people think about all the stuff that that they're doing out there and they're catching fish and carrying on but you gotta have something to drink and water is what they recommend I drink a lot of tea Uh, I personally I don't see where that's a a major difference because it's just something that's flavored. But uh, you know, water. We keep water in water bottles in the boat with us. Uh, we drink yeah. a lot of tea. We usually have some soda, different things. But if you if you if you don't have it and you're not drinking it, the next thing you know, you're gonna be dehydrated and and you can you know kind of get dizzy and different things going on. You don't know what's happening. So uh, keep water in the boat. Every boat should have a first aid kit in it. And I know that for the most part, that's not a required thing, but you can get a hook in your finger. You can cut yourself with a knife. I've done all of those things and many, many more things. Uh, keep a first aid kit in there. And nobody likes iodine or methylate or whatever your. Your uh, poison of, of choice is, but you should have some kind of antiseptic stuff in there uh, because these hooks have been in and out of the water unless it's brand new, and then then it's not clean. You know they got something on them to keep them from rusting when they come from the factories and stuff. So keep something in there. I recommend that you have emergency phone numbers in your phone. Everybody's got a phone these days, and if you don't, it's really simple. You just make you a little book. And that that which leads me into the next thing is uh, Ziploc baggies. We keep Ziploc baggies in, and we put bait in them, and we put the bait on ice. Uh, We got gallon size. We got sandwich size. I wrap my rigs that I pre-tie up for a fishing tournament, and I put them in the snack size ones, and I put them in my my bag for, for fishing the tournament. Keep those Ziploc baggies in there. You can put your phone in it. You can put phone numbers in it. You can put a, I believe it's called a VHF radio, which I keep saying I'm going to get one. I think that that is something on the big rivers especially where there is barge traffic, and I know that includes Wheeler and places like that. I think that that's something that, that you really could should consider uh, you can contact those barges if they're coming up the river and you're by a corner, or if it looks like they're leaning over your way. It's you a hey, or you get, do I need to move before they ever get to you? You know, if you yeah. see them far enough in advance, you can use them when you go to the to the locks and the dams. You go up there, and a lot of times you pull on that cable or rope or chain or whatever they got. Hell, half of them don't work. You know, you're sitting down there for hours on end and trying to figure out why they won't lock you through. It's because they don't know you're down there. They can't see you up close to that. But either have the numbers to the dams you're going to be fishing by in your phone and call them. They'll let you through. Or have one of those radios. If that radio, you can call that guy up on that radio and say, hey, I'm down here, I need to lock through, would you mind? And if there's a barge coming through, he'll say, okay, it's going to be a few minutes and we get this guy locked through. Or if there's nobody, he'll say, okay, let me open it up and we'll get you right in and get you right locked through. Those guys are not trying to be uh, hard to get along with. They want you to be safe. They want you to have fun out on that water. If you're nice to them for the most part, they will be nice to you back and uh they just but barges coming through those locks take precedence they're going to take those barges first and it doesn't matter if you're in a fishing tournament or not now they don't care because the barges just they have to have the 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 right away and they do um watch for the sunken buoys we touched on that um sunblock um a guy that, that I respect greatly, uh, Mark Davis with Big Water Adventures. I watch him on television uh, every week, and Mark is a really good guy. Him and I talk uh, online and on the phone once in a while, and and uh, we're trying to talk to him about being on Catfish Weekly, and he used to do some catfishing, but he's into this uh, ocean fishing, and, and, man, he catches some great fish. I watched him today. But Mark has had some issues with, with uh, skin cancer from being out mm-hmm. on these uh, water all the time and, and not using Sunblock. And, and people, it just takes a minute to put on there. Get you some of that soap that Dave Ashby, and I know telling who all else sells that that you wash your hands in and when you get done and don't have any soap smell, it don't have any kind of smells it all on you Worse wash that stuff right off of you. I keep a bar of lava soap in the boat with me all the time. I like it real well. But if I'm gonna get in the truck or or something, I use that stuff that we get from Dave and it works really well. Uh but and it'll take that sun, that uh uh sunscreen stuff right off of you and and you should always keep that on you send these on me all the time because like Doc I was talking, we're none of us getting getting any, early, any younger. And that I believe, like I say, I believe it's a VHF radio. These things are – they could save your life. Um, if you don't have a phone, which I know nearly everybody's got one, but if you don't have a phone, that VH radio, and you're fishing navigable waters where there's big barges and barge traffic and tons and tons of people, you should either have the phone or the VH radio or both um, – Ricky Brackett's a good friend of mine. He's a riverboat captain. He is a believer in that radio. He lives on the river. Uh, he knows how important they are, and I think that it's something that, that people should consider having. It may save your life. Uh, there might become a time when your phone battery's dead or whatever, and uh, you're not able to, to use it or you don't have the number. You can't call those barges up on the phone, but you can contact them on that radio and ask them if you're too close or too far away. And, uh, you know, we've fished a lot of tournaments, especially up in Iowa where we're fishing pretty skinny water up in them channel cat tournaments and them barges come up through there. And most of the time, you know, if they're going to be very close to you or not. But once in a while, you'll get a, a guy and you don't know if he's a, a new guy or just what. But he'll make a big old swing, and it'll look like he's going to run run right into you. And if you just, uh, hey, am I, do I need to move? You know, Because they can't stop those barges. I don't care if they're going upstream or downstream. If they get too close to you or they don't see you and you don't have your lights on or whatever the case is, say your anchor's broke loose and you're floating and you haven't caught on yet, it doesn't matter. They can't stop that barge you keep from running into. You. It just can't happen. And, and things happen. So, uh, safety, safety, safety. You know, that was the point of this show, and, and uh, we've covered a bunch of it, and I'm sure there'll be some, some guys that uh, uh, will have some stuff that we missed, and that's fine. If you guys have things that you think that we need to talk about or should have talked about or we just didn't catch on, leave it on our Facebook page uh, in the group chat down at the bottom of the thing, and tell us, you know, you you, you missed this, or or how about this, or whatever, and that way people know uh, that they should address that or take a look at it. Or uh, safety is very important these days.
2: Yeah. What's uh What's the channel that the barges monitor? That's sixteen. I do. Uh, it used to be. I, I'm not sure if it still is or not, but
0: but I think that's right. but that's those those radios are very important the phones have just you know these these cell phones have taken uh, millions of uh, home phones out of houses and uh, they've taken CB radios out over the road trucks because they can just call people up and eventually they'll have them down to where uh, you know everything's done on them it just about is anyhow but uh, until they get to that point uh, you need to be as prepared as you can. And like like you and I was talking, when, when you get to be our age, you, things things happen and you don't react nearly as quick as uh, what you used to.
2: Yeah, and you got to quit bringing that up. Enough of the old <laughs> <elderly laughs> stuff.
0: Well, I understand, but it's just facts of life and, and uh, uh, no. that's kind of way it is. But, uh, you know, I hate it, but uh, Carl Garner sent me a message on the, uh, on uh, Facebook, and he says they carry a VHF on board, and if you have one on board, you are are required to have them on safety call channel. Uh, Not sure what that is, but uh, I'm sure if you got it, the instructions would tell you. Or you could contact somebody like Carl and and find out what that is. But I bet they tell you the instructions or whatever so you, you know where that's at. Because uh, a safety channel like that is a great idea uh, for anyone to have, uh, especially where you can get to it. And, and, uh, and, and you know, if, if you need information or whatever, there'll be somebody there to help you out.
2: Right, right.
0: Well, that's all that I have on safety uh you know what we covered quite a little bit well i know i can say i know we didn't cover everything but uh you can't but uh, like i said people them ziploc baggies um they're not a hundred percent waterproof but boy i'll tell you what when it starts storming and raining and stuff that's the first thing we do is throw them cell phones in that ziploc bag and put it in the dash uh between the dash being covered and or in in the inside pocket of a rain suit, anything like that. If they're in there in them in a zip. It's not going to get wet, and you won't lose your cell phone. Uh, something that that everybody should keep those bags in there. You never know. You might run into a school of shad. Need some more bait, so uh, <laughs> you might as well be having it. That's, That's just right. the way it is.
2: Yeah.
0: What else you got tonight, Doc?
2: Well, I got uh, Doc's tip for the night. And, All right. Uh, what we're going what i'm going to just touch base on tonight is uh what uh most people call a backlash a bird's nest a professional overrun whatever <laughs> but what happens is if, if when it does when i do it i just forget to put my thumb down on that spool so that spool sits there and overruns and i've got a nice little mess And one of the things that you can do to get rid of that is after you have your bird's nest, is take your drag, your star right here, and tighten that up. Put your thumb hard on this spool and turn that handle a couple of times. What that does is that tightens that line up on that spool, then you can reach in there and you can pull that bird's nest right out of there. It'll come right out almost every time. Uh, Lynn, uh, she makes me mad just for the fact that she don't hardly ever do this. And I'm always sitting over here picking mine out. And uh, she, she just, she throws a, a, cast, uh, a bait caster like she's been doing it for 65 years. And she, she never has a problem. Me, I'm always... Uh, forgetting to put my thumb down on this thing, but that is how one of the easiest ways to get rid of get that out of there and get it back free. The only thing you got to remember is once you get that done, taking back that star back off of there uh, because that next fish that come along may be the one that you've been waiting a lifetime on. So that's Doc's tip for the night. The back. That's a great tip.
0: That's a great tip, and I've seen guys talk about that. And I always forget about it whenever I get one. I start dragging and dragging, and I got a big mess before it's all over. But that does work almost every time. It doesn't work every time, but it works almost every time.
2: It's got to be really, really bad Uh, when you see it growing as you're looking at it. Then you you know (laughs) you. Most of the time, you got to okay. I got to bring the knife out and start trimming it out. So.
0: If that thing gets to worse about this big around, the best thing to do yeah, is set done. it down and get you another rod yeah. out with a reel yeah.
2: ready to go because you yeah. done
0: lost everything that you had. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I want to talk about uh, something tonight that I got through the mail the other day, and it's a book called Tennessee River Monsters, Myths, and Great Destinations. About, uh, Captain Scott Manning wrote this book, and he sent me a copy of it, and thank you, Scott, for that. I have been through probably two thirds of this book and it's very interesting reading. It talks about, uh, how people settled the, the Kentucky or the Tennessee area, uh, miss uh, about Bigfoots and big fish. And it talks about walleyes and, uh, catzilla. There's just a great, it's, it's knowledgeable. It's funny. It's well-written, uh, very good inter- you're Very good reading. It, it's a, it tells you about the destinations if you decide you want to go to Tennessee on a vacation, places to look for and things to do when you get there. Uh, Scott, you've done a really good job on that. I've enjoyed reading it. I'm not done with it yet, but I'm, I'm nearing the end of it, and I do it when I'm waiting on things to dry and different stuff. But if you guys get a chance, get on uh, Tennessee River Monsters, uh, Captain Scott Manning and send him a message and, and tell him you'd like to have one of his books. I know he'd appreciate it. He's not a sponsor of the show. He's not a sponsor of me. He sent me the book. I am enjoying the book. And I think that you would too. So give it a shot. If you get a chance, you'll like the book. It's, it's very well written. Um, any uh, closing statements or anything you'd like to talk about tournaments near you or anything this week, doc? Uh,
2: next week uh i'll be in kingston tennessee for the two-day cabela's tournament uh, actually lyle and i tested it out today i didn't even know my phone had a video camera that i could talk to him so hopefully next week uh on uh catfish weekly i'll be coming to you live from uh, kingston tennessee
0: That'd be awesome. We'll be looking forward to it. And you had great video off that phone. So, you know, as long as you have a good signal, we should be good to go. And it'll be a blast you down there. And uh, Brent Riddle's done a show with us like that uh, early on on Catfish Weekly's beginning, I think six or seven, something like that. And uh, of course, Brent, he's young enough. He's got all this technology down pat. And he sat in in his boat and and uh, done it, done the whole show out of there. And, and I, of course I got, I got capability to do it. I just ain't got the knowledge to do it. (laughs) But, you know, that's okay. I I would like to mention um, Cabela's King Cat. Since you brought that up, you're going to be down there fishing their tournament. I was fortunate enough to remember and see, actually, I seen their post about uh, their live feed for the two day weigh in uh down at lay lake this past weekend and i got to watch most of both days of weigh in i was very proud of chuck and his partner and david Arrington and his partner them guys got up there and they weighed fish uh they had a good time they finished i think uh david got sixth or seventh i'm not sure where chuck finished i know they had a tough day the second day but they both was doing really good the first day and you know cold fronts things happen uh, congratulations to Joey Pounders and um, Jay they had a great two day weigh in I was 160 some pounds I think and uh, they put some growth but Cabela's I want to give you a, a, a kudos for, for making that happen I don't know how many people watched that live like I did but I enjoyed it very much and I can turn the volume up if I'm busy working in the shop and I can listen to it and if you say David Erickson's weighing fish or Chuck Davidson's weighing fish or somebody's got a big one, I beat it over here so I can see the screen and see who's doing what. And after the first day, I knew that I needed to be sitting here when Joey and them weighed them fish because they had a good mess of flatheads, and uh, and he usually does. So uh, good job on that. Uh, I think that that's some stuff that uh, that is coming to our future of being able to see that stuff. Catfish Weekly is set up to do that. Uh, for people at tournaments and stuff providing there is internet connection or internet service uh, that is strong enough to do that. I'm not sure how they uh, string that out, but I enjoyed it very much and I'm sure a lot of other people did because there was a lot of people that I was familiar with it that was making comments and stuff on the post and, and uh, visiting back and forth. So job well done on that. And I'm looking forward to the next one. Uh, I'll be watching you down there, doc, as you, put it on them guys down at Kingston.
2: I hope so. We'll see.
0: Yep, you never know. I uh, I think we've been going on uh, uh, just over an hour. I think that uh, we covered a lot of stuff tonight, Doc, and, and I'm going to mention that we've done this show. Now, next week, uh, Clint Gisling is going to be on the show. We're going to talk to Clint about uh, he lives on the Missouri River, real close to it. We're going to talk about big river fishing. We're going to talk about the upcoming Brunswick Wildcat tournament that's coming, uh, that uh, Greg Kilpatrick or Greg, shoot, Brad Kilpatrick, Catfish is going to be putting on. On the Missouri, it's actually, it starts out on the, the Grand River and, and then goes to the You go up to Missouri, uh, it's going to be a night tournament. They're going to have a great time up there, and Clint knows a lot about that. Uh, when it gets a little closer to the time, we'll probably get Brad on here and he can go over rules and and uh, all the stuff and, and how you got to get entered and all that. I know Brad would be glad to do it. Uh, but uh, Clint will put on a really good show with us. He knows about big water fishing. He fishes the Missouri to Mississippi. He fishes like the Ozarks and Truman and all the stuff in between. It'll be a really good show. He's a very competitive tournament fisherman, and he's a good fisherman. He's a really genuine guy. So we're looking forward to, to having him on here with us next week. But if that is it, and I, far as I know, that's it, isn't it, Doc?
2: Yeah, I don't have anything else. Uh, we, it looks like we lost Chuck. So. Yeah,
0: Chuck's a little bumming about this. He 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 loves to do this show as much as the rest of us do, and and uh, when he has internet problems and stuff, he's not a very happy camper. But he tried and tried and tried, and it kept kicking him off because he lost a lot of his, his internet connection for whatever reason. And uh, he'll be back with us next week, provided they get all that fixed, and I'm sure he'll be on them in the morning. So for Chuck Davis and Doc Lang, I'm Lyle Stokes. Thanks for watching Catfish Weekly. If you guys happen to watch us on YouTube, uh, if you like what you're seeing, hit the like button and make leave us a comment and tell us how we're doing. We'd appreciate it greatly. And please share our show uh, so your friends can watch it too. Till next week, thanks a lot.